Welcome back to North of Shy, the Baird and Warner North Shore podcast. We've got a very special episode today. We've got an entire panel of hosts with us. Uh, I'm Eric Schwinger, sitting here with Catherine Leonard. Hello, everyone. Bob Kohler. Hi out there. Of course, Ian Robinson. Good day, everyone. And our very special guest for the day is the Senior Vice President of Strategic Innovation at Baird and Warner, Dean Russo. Well, thank you. And I can't say that one either. So <laughs> <laughs> great. So welcome, Dean. We're very excited to have you here today. Um, you've been in the real estate industry for a really long time. You have a ton of experience. Um, you've seen a lot of change in that time. Um, but why don't we start with a little bit about your real estate experience. Tell the audience kind of about your time with Baird and Warner and some of the roles you've played within the company. Well, first of all, you said a really long time and I kind of giggle <laughs> when people say that because I never feel like I've been here very long because I'm always learning something new. So um, I actually got my license in 1998 and not knowing any better, I simply hung it with the company that the instructor actually taught for. I did no interviews. I did absolutely nothing. I just said, how do I do this again? And I hung my license there. He had no intention of selling real estate. I was one of those people that was just going to grab a license. If somebody came along, then I would refer it out and maybe make Christmas money or pocket money. And that's really the way it started. But at one point in time, I realized when I did the arithmetic, what potential there really was. And I decided to farm everything else out, jump in 100%. And I don't know, some people would say 150% because that's what I think it took at the time. But I started at a time when there was a transition from books to this DOS-based, loud noise, <laughs> stick the touch the modem, and you would put in a search and you would go to the bathroom and come back and maybe the search <laughs> would be up. Okay, maybe. And so that's when I started. So when you say a really long time, Eric, <laughs> brings back memories, okay? So that's when I started. So I was there for about nine years. There were some changes that were happening. It was a big national company. I'm not going to mention any names, but they're still run out of Parsippany, New Jersey. And so at that point in time, I decided to open up my own brokerage and I did so. So I opened my own brokerage and I did that for about five years. And I, when I built the place in 2007, great timing, um, I actually built it very differently than any other brokerage out there. So the, the way that I built it was there, was there were literally no desks. It was all very high-end conference rooms common agent workspace, sound familiar? And then a bunch of desks in the back of the building that if people wanted a private office, they could rent one. And that's what I did. And we had somebody in insurance renting one, we had uh, a financial planner renting one, and we had some agents and teams renting one, but it was really pre-team. So the definition of a team at that point in time was a husband and wife team. There were no other kinds of teams. So that's really, I did that for about five years, but when I built that, and in 2007, when things were changing, and I think that far more than they're changing today, um, what I did was um, I was also at that time president of Main Street Organization of Realtors, and so I got a call from somebody at Baird & Warner uh, who is still with Baird & Warner, 
and she said, hey, I heard you built this new office. We're transitioning the office to different square footage spaces. Can I come and meet with you and see what you've done? And we had just been written up in a national magazine because of the difference in what we had done there. And so uh, I met with Jennifer Warden over coffee in my, my place and showed her around. And she said, very interesting. And it was in LaGrange. So, you know, the closest uh, places that we had at that time at Baird Warner were Orland Park and Downers Grove. And there was a hole right in the middle. We had Oak Park as well. And so she said, what would it take for you to come with our company? And I said, uh, no way. Because I had left a large company and I wasn't interested in repeating the same thing again where I didn't have control, control, control. So, <laughs> so what ended up happening is the next year I became the president of MRED and I got a call again. I don't know, at that point in time, they didn't have iPhones and, and Android. So I think she was using a Palm Pilot. And I think what she did is she put a repeating uh, message in her calendar uh, task in her phone. And on the same day, the following year, I got a call from Jennifer Warden. She said, hey, I hear you're the president of MRED. Can I come and talk to you? <laughs> that happened four years in a row. Now, we talk about follow-up in this business. And that was follow-up and prospecting at its highest level. Because the fourth year, she said, what would it take for you to come with us? And I said, no way. And you know what? Six months later, I started thinking about where I felt my, quote, highest and best use was. And it was no longer running a small brokerage, a boutique shop. And so I called Jennifer. And that was kind of how things got started. So I sold my office to Steve Baird uh, after a bunch of negotiations, as you can imagine. And so in 2012, I joined Baird and Warner and kept my team. That was part of the deal. Uh, kept building a team and actually I had the first team in Illinois. Um, and I think Ian probably knows that, but I had the first team in Illinois. I do. And, uh, and actually um, refused to run the office because I wanted to focus on other things. So they brought in a manager and ran the team for a period of time until uh, in about 20. 18 or so, uh, I was asked if I would join the, the uh, team at the home office and take over the e-business department, which is what I did. And that was an interesting transition, but exciting. And I learned a ton. And we went from an e-business uh, department that was doing fairly to an e-business department that did extremely well. And so at that point in time, I then started taking on other projects, just my nature, and ended up farming out my team and doing this 100%. So um, it started with the e-business team, it then transitioned to the first part of balance, and then I took over relocation, which I still have, and oversee that. And so there's some exciting things coming out in the RAND department, and I know Eric's involved in that too. I've asked him to help us with that. And so, um, and now, believe it or not, the education department. So that's my newest assignment is the training department. So that's a quick history. All right. Wow. A lot of spare time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to just point out why Dean mentioned, you know, 
being the first team. And well, Ian knows that two years after Dean started in the business, I started in the business and he was one of the first people that I was exposed to in training and frankly, the best one at that company that we were both at. And I, I credit Dean for a big part of why I'm successful today. So thank you for that, Dean. Wow, that's oh, awesome. Nice. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's great. Well, thank, thanks, Ian. I really appreciate that. Uh, it took you long enough to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years I think so. I may have told you, you once or twice before, Dean. <laughs> so. Well, it's great to have you here, Dean. Um, and you touched on this in, in some of your comments, but it seems as if the pace of change innovation in the real estate industry has really accelerated uh, over the past few years. Would you say that's objectively true or is it just our perception that changed because the, the general pace of life has accelerated? I would say yes to both of those. Um, it has genuinely changed. And I think what's driven a lot of that change is the Internet. So it started with the Internet, you know, and I was on the NAR board at the time when when all of that started hitting us and when Zillow was founded um, in 2004. And I think the change is really driven by the Internet and then the demands that the consumers had. In order for us to be totally transparent, Zillow smelled that. Zillow started doing what they felt was necessary to capture the attention of the consumer. Um, unfortunately, our industry has been a little behind in keeping up with the consumer desires for change. Zillow was not tied to anything and just kept moving forward. And NAR ended up not changing, meaning Realtor.com. And so the result was because of that, Zillow has been pretty successful. Now the change continues to be driven and we've heard the word speed to lead, but the change continues to be driven by the fact that companies like amazon.com have taken full advantage of the internet and they've created an environment now that it's not just youth, more youthful people. I think that's politically correct. It's not too bad. I just said it. Um, but not only are youthful people expecting, immediate response, meaning pressing a button and magic happening, like immediate response because Amazon does that. You know, my wife hates Amazon, but you know what? When she goes on Amazon and it's not there the next day, she gets very upset. Mm -hmm. And now, and now Amazon is same day stuff for a lot of stuff. So what's really changed is how these companies have capitalized on what the consumer wants by using the internet. And we're coming along, but we're not necessarily in front of it. We're responding to it. So yes, there's been outside forces that have caused the kind of the accelerated change. There's been the consumer who's demanded that kind of change based on everything else. And I think it, it's just going to keep going from here as it should. So, Dean, you said the very words in front of, and that's that's my question. Um, you're, it's embedded in your very title. You're the senior VP of strategic innovation. So it falls to you to come up with the next idea and keep Baird and Warner in front of the industry and the consumer. And we all have had the pleasure of working with you. You do that. But how do you do that? What what? How do you 
do you have special resources? How do you stay in front of it and get the new ideas? That's an interesting question. And the reason I say it's interesting is because I never forget the previous 20 to 25 years, meaning when I got started, what it took, and my journey from the day, the day I started until the day I farmed out my team. I really soul search a lot of times as to what I think will help our agents. And that sounds cliche, but it's really my, that's really in my DNA and in my heart. Mm -hmm. I know when I had a team, the challenges that I had with staffing and everything else. And I used to think about that a lot. Managing a team is tough. And so what I did when I took over this innovation thing is I said, what would be the most, the beneficial thing for our individual agents that need to get to the next level, that want to get to the next level? What could we provide to them so that they wouldn't have to hire somebody, commit to them, hire them, train them, manage them, occasionally, unfortunately, coach them out mm -hmm. and not miss a lick in between? How could we outsource, how could they outsource everything? And if you follow the ninja path, all of the E time and the Pi time, so that they had time to focus on what their best use is, which is relationships. And so when I look at whatever we do, is I look at the efficiency of it, whether it's e-business or what does, what, how can relocation serve our agents the best and our agents are our clients and that's why I look at it. When I look at balance, what can we do in balance that will serve our agents very best? To be honest with you, I'm probably the least corporate guy you'd ever meet. I never worry about their profits. And I'll tell you why. The more we can help our agents, the happier they'll be and the profits will come anyway. You don't focus on the profits of the company. You focus on how you can help the agents. And that's so deeply embedded in me. How do I stay up on it? I think a lot. I go back to what I experienced when I was an agent. Yes, I read a lot. I do a lot of research. I time block time in the morning to go on to one of my best friends websites to learn as much as I can. YouTube, <laughs> which didn't exist in the old days, but hey, you know what? There's all kinds of people on YouTube giving advice and sh talk, sharing experiences. And it's not all real estate. It's the Simon Sinek stuff. It's, it's people that are just leadership masters and very smart people. So that's how I stay up on things. I think a lot, though. That's, yeah, that's why you fit at Baird & Warner, by the way. You say you're not a corporate guy, and we're really not a corporation. We're a family company, but we're all about support, and that's all you think about. So thank you. I love that answer. Yeah, fantastic. I remember when I first interviewed with Steve Baird about coming to work for Baird & Warner, and he told me that you take care of the people and the finances take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So... The word innovation in your title, I mean, basically a synonym for that is change, right? Innovation is, is you know, 
new ideas and, and change and evolution of existing processes to make them better or more efficient, right? So change inevitably is hard, right? As a, as a human being, we're kind of conditioned to like things the way they are and the status quo. And when change comes, it generally brings some level of discomfort or uncertainty. Um, so being in charge of coming up with new ideas and putting new plans in place and making ultimately with the goal of making the agent's life easier, inevitably that means changing something, right? So what's your experience been in terms of, you know, the reception to some of your ideas throughout the company or the real estate industry in general? Have you met with resistance? Do people generally, are they open to kind of some of the ideas that you're bringing down the pipe and how do you kind of manage that process? So I'm going to give a medium long answer to that. <laughs> and let me tell you that when I decided to join Baird and Warner, there were two other companies that were bidding on the office. And I was told very directly, one who was a very good friend of mine, president of one of those, if you go to Baird and Warner, you're making a huge mistake. And I'm going to tell you that the offer that Baird and Warner was making was less than the others. But I understood the direction they were going. And with the guy at the helm, who is a Harvard grad, and with the current president of Res Sales, Laura, who's in a Stanford certification course now, those guys understand that in order to progress, we need to change. We need to be innovative. So I'm going to tell you there's generally two resistance points in change. One is, will the company accept change? And two is, will our agents accept change? And I'm going to tell you, that the best decision I ever made was to go with Baird and Warner because the group of people at Baird and Warner that are at the helm understand and accept change. In fact, they encourage it, even though the very first the very first try at something doesn't work. They look at that as an asset because we learned something instead of we made a big mistake. So I'm telling you straight out, the company promotes change and they allow me to do whatever I think we should do literally to help the agents. Second piece, the agents. Yes, change is hard to drive, expected. No surprise to me. So there's something called the law of diffusion. And if you did any kind of math work, or you've probably heard of the bell curve, well, that's the law of diffusion. The left two and a half percent are the innovators. Those are the Steve Jobs. Those are the Mark Zuckerbergs. Those are those guys. 13 and a half percent moving up the curve are the early adopters. Those are the folks that look at something new and say, this makes sense. I'm excited. I love change. I'll try it. It won't be perfect. I might get beat up a little bit, but I'll help them change it. And they're the early adopters. 
And then there's the middle of the bell curve, which are the early and late majority. They're not going to be the early adopters. They want to wait and see how the early adopters do. But there's a little bit of fear. And what I call fear is false evidence appearing real. And what happens is they wait to look at the early adopters and they say, what's my risk? They're generally risk adverse and they go, well, I'll try it because it's working for them. But what happens if it doesn't work? Will I get a refund or will it hurt my business? Okay. And that's really what happens. Change is tough because most people are in the early and late majority. If you stick with it and you listen to what they're saying and what will make them feel comfortable and don't get married to the way you designed it originally and change it, eventually the early and late adopters can see the value, especially in an industry that we're in today because there's so much change that if you don't change, you will get left behind. Change is inevitable. Progress is a choice. Not everybody can change. But we have to continue to change if we're going to stay up to speed. Now, here's the challenge. The average realtor is how old? And you watch the numbers pretty closely. But I think the average realtor is like 55, 56 years old. Guess what? Yeah, about. You know? That's, we're pretty embedded in our thoughts and our ways of doing things. So it's gonna it's it's a little tough sometimes, but you know I was sitting with a realtor that has the number one team in the company about two years ago because I've been coaching that team a little bit, and she looked at me and she said, "I I don't know I'm a control freak," and that's the other thing I hear all the time from realtors. I'm a control freak. I really I don't know that I want to farm this out. I don't know that I want to give up the control. I don't know that I want a team on demand. And I looked at her and I said, you know, you can grow or you can control, but you can have both. And Write she, that down. <laughs> yeah. And she runs around the office now and she says it to everyone in that office. So, and it's true. Can you imagine if Bill Gates was building computers today, how far along he would have been? Or you start looking at Mr. Amazon, and if he was still packing things himself, you can grow or you can have control, but you can't have both. And until we accept that, you see, we're more afraid of giving up control than our consumers are afraid of it. They know we're not admin, and we think we need to be. So it's, it's hard when you're 55, 56, and you've always done it this way, and you handled everything from the very beginning, meaning when you met the person all the way to the very end, when you close, and you're busier than heck with four transactions, and there's something slipping through the cracks, perhaps, but at the end, then you're so busy, you can't stay in touch, you're really done. And I get it. It takes time. So... This is exactly what I expect. It's a shift in mindset, right? Totally. I mean, we're 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 talking here about accepting change up here in your head, right? And that's where it all starts and and ends really is accepting the fact that 
you know, you, you actually, I think, just gave us the title for this episode. Change is inevitable. Progress is a choice, right? The change is going to happen whether you accept it or not. And you can either get on board or you can kind of be left in the dust. And for us managers around the table here, you know, the fabulous ideas and programs that you've developed, then we feel it's our job to present it and encourage agents to let go of that control a little bit and give it a try with our support. So it's a, a nice flow of responsibility and teamwork, I think, that we have here at our company. And I think once they do, once you kind of get someone to an agent, who's a high producing agent to make the jump um, to let some of that control go, you know, they realize that they don't want to do that anyway. They want to go out and get more business they, or, or free up more time. And, and honestly, it's almost like an aha moment. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I, I was doing all this stuff. Yeah, I've been wasting myself my time. And I've been so wasting long. my, you know, not wasting your time because you're building, right. you know, your business and whatnot. But, you know, what you're building at Balance really, really does help the agents. It's just a purely helpful thing for them. And it's amazing to watch the transformation. Yeah, and it's not just the, the top agents either. It's it's no, the, the yeah. middle tier and even some brand new licensees who are now focused mm -hmm. on things that only they can be doing. That's the high per hour payoff. And they're letting go some of the admin stuff that a newer agent, do they ever really need to know how to do some of that minutia? If they have help, they don't, and they can focus their time on lead generation and prospecting. Is it worth inserting into this episode in case our listeners didn't hear the balance episode that we're really kind of referring to the balance program that Dean came up with? And because of his idea, uh, Bergen Warner won the most innovative uh, brokerage okay. award at uh, Leading RE. And so that's what we're talking about, this, this vast array of services that agents can tap into to alleviate the day-to-day -day work of uh, their transactions. Absolutely. And if you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to the balance episode, be sure to listen to that yes. one next. You know what? <clears throat> what is your highest and best use? Mm -hmm. And that's communicating with people, creating relationships. Because with all the change, relationships are not going to go away in our business. And you that's, know what? that's our secret us. weapon. Do you want right. they, see nobody understands our secret weapon against the Zillows and all of those other companies out there is the relationship. They can do everything else. They cannot have the relationship. So if you're going to get trust, like, and know, and loyalty, it's all about the relationship. And I don't think that processing a contract is strengthening a relationship. But talking to people and being seen, being heard, that's what strengthens the relationship. Awesome. I, yeah. I mean, you said it. It's fantastic stuff. So let's take a step back now. We've been talking a little bit about Fair Warner and, and your job specifically, but let's take a step back and look a little more broadly at the real estate landscape in general, right? Uh, what role do you see like change and innovation playing in this business in the next five to 10 years? Do you see, like, what do you see coming down the pipe in terms of you know, the next big thing or the next innovation or where's the next opportunity lie for, for companies or agents, um, in, you know, in the coming, in the coming years. I think one of the big things 
that you're going to see is you're going to see companies, and I, I know of one right now, that Tom Ferry, Stefan Swanepoel, and all those guys have invested in, is I think the big thing you're going to see is you're going to see tools out there that are going to really focus on long-term relationships. You see, where we've really lacked in the past is we've all known that we should stay in touch with our past clients and sphere of influence and you know, neighbors, friends, coworkers, family, and we haven't done a really good job at it. We know we should do it. We put it on the morning to-do list that we're gonna call or text or write note cards or whatever. And it might even be on the, the first thing on that priority list, but somehow with the chaos and all the craziness that, that happens during the course of the today and, and of the day, and I know I was there, it gets pushed down to the bottom. And there's even times at 8.30 at night that you're sitting on the couch and you're going, oh, darn, this person called me at noon today and I was busy and I told them I'd call them right back and they wanted to ask me some questions about listing their house. I didn't call them back. And then the next day, you're embarrassed because you promised you'd call them back the same day. So you start looking at CRMs like Close, where it actually puts it on a to-do list a daily agenda is what they call it. And there's a company out there right now that's being developed that actually is all about the lifetime of a client. I think that's the next big change. In other words, we've always talked about ROI, return on investment. I think we're gonna start talking about ROR, return on relationship. And we haven't been that great at it. So, that's the biggest change that I see. I know there's guys out there putting on fancy glasses and saying, you know, you can experience the home and we'll even throw some fans <laughs> at the end of the table and, you know, and have the cookies hit you in the face so you can feel like you're, I understand that. <laughs> this is about being a trusted advisor. And you know what? We have an opportunity today with the way the market is, and I use the word normalizing, because now they need us more than ever. You see, they really didn't need us six months ago or a year ago or three years ago or five years. They need us today because they need a trusted advisor. So what do I think is really gonna change? It's gonna be more, fun. The, the, the really successful agents are gonna understand that it's no longer about the, you know, this is gonna be, become a very relational business because guess what? Zillow and the rest of those guys are going to have the 10% transactional side. But if we're going to stay in business and we're going to thrive, we've got to focus on the relationship. So we're going to see software. In fact, there's a company right now. Actually, I'll tell you the story. The story is when I took over the e-business department and OpCity was purchased by Realtor.com, the operations vice president of Realtor.com flew to Chicago to meet with me at 120 South LaSalle at our home office. And we had a two hour meeting about how we could do more with OpCity and Realtor.com. And they left and then I got a text from him and he said, can you meet me for breakfast in the morning? And I'm going, oh geez, what's that? You know, Because there were four people that came. So I sat down with him and he said, uh, I'm leaving Realtor.com. I'm starting this new company 
in two weeks, and this is what my plan is. And the plan was all about developing software that focuses around customers for life. And that's been launched. And Tom Ferry has invested. And T360 and Stefan Swanepoel has invested. And I know the owner extremely well. And I've talked to him a bunch of times. And I'm going to tell you what. That's the next best thing. That's the next big thing. Our company is actually focused on something like that now. Our company is taking data from past clients, sphere of influence, and going to compile that and give it back to you so that you can predict when that person most likely will move. We think we know, but we don't stay in touch with them enough to really know. Mm -hmm. But if the average consumer moves every eight to 10 years, if you're going to ramp up communication, I think that's about the time. And if they got kids that are, I don't know, 10 years old and six years, seven years, eight years later, they're going to college. I think that's about the time when they're thinking about downsizing or if they're, I don't know, at an age where they could be moving to Florida or somewhere else. I think that's about the time. And if we can give our agents and that's where Steve's head is at the information they need to make wise choices as to where to spend their time and energy, that's what's in the future. Yeah, when, when you say that, it reminds me of the NAR statistic, and I, I'm not gonna know it exactly off the top of my head, but most consumers say that they would gladly use their real estate agent again in their next transaction, but only like 11% or something actually do use that same real estate agent. It's not because they were unhappy with the agent. It's because the agent lost touch and and disappeared basically. And every year that gap is getting wider between those two numbers too, which is crazy. Yeah. They walk out of the transaction, 92% say, I would use or refer. And actually the number is in the mid teens. And here's the really sad part of this. Not only do we not end up with that transaction, which at that point in time, remember, it's probably now a sell and a buy. That's two. Mm-hmm. But they said they would have referred. And we didn't even get the referrals. Mm-hmm. So this isn't about losing two transactions. This is probably about losing 10 transactions over seven to 10 years. That's huge. And not only that, we've let down the consumer. We cared at one point, but we were so transactional instead of relational that we lost. And guess where they go to look for the information? Zillow, hit the magic button, refer to somebody else, 35% referral fee, and Zillow becomes an uninvited partner. That's the problem. Well said. We yeah. have our very own guru here at Barry Warner, <laughs> our, our Yoda in Dean, and um, we're so grateful. Well, thank you. Absolutely. We're very fortunate. Yeah, thank Truly. you for being with us today, Dean. Thank you very much. Thank you. So let's get one more question here before we let him go. Um, without giving out any, you know, proprietary secrets or the secret sauce or anything, can you share with us any kind of projects you're working on now that are going to be rolling out in you know the near future uh, at Baird and Warner? 
in the near future. Okay. So Google My Business is extremely important for our agents to embrace. What, what all the data has shown is that Google My Business, if played properly, is a listing opportunity tool. You would think it's for buyers. It really generates skewed more toward potential sellers looking. However, in order to really leverage it, there's got to be regular posting, strategic posting on it. And right now, we don't have that. Now, you can raise your hand and say, yeah, but I'm on HomeStamp. I'm going to tell you I know what the HomeStamp product is, and it's better than not having it, but it isn't what you really need. So we're launching a Google My Business product where we can help you leverage your Google My Business page. We'll even set it up for you if you don't have one. But then we will continue to, to um, enhance it. And the way to get SEO, the way to get really recognized on Google is by using that product and on a regular basis posting to it. And pictures and videos are number one, but pictures are really strong. And you really should be posting several pictures a day of the neighborhood if you're doing it yourself. Okay. But that's one of the products we're launching. Fabulous. That's amazing. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. We can't wait till that rolls out and get that in front of our agents and have them start taking advantage of that. Anybody have any other questions for Dean before we let him go? No, this was just, it's such a wealth of information. I was going to say, you know, pull out your crystal ball and and tell us, (laughs) you actually kind of have one, which is amazing. (laughs) And it's great to see a snippet inside of that crystal ball, which is great. Let me tell you how that happens. I have time to think. And the reason I have time to think is because the leadership at Balance is awesome. And I don't have to worry about operations. So between Eddie Matea and between Stephanie Etter and between, you know, Chris, Ray Big, and all the other leadership, these guys care. They get it. They know what their mission is. And without that, I probably wouldn't be here because I couldn't handle it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I've known you for 22 years, Dean, and uh, I, every time I talk to you, I always learn something, get a new angle on something. So thanks for being with us again. Absolutely. Okay. We so, appreciate you. You heard it here, guys. Grow, Growth or control. You can have one, but you can't have both. And change is inevitable, but progress is a choice. And I think we can all say here that Baird Warner and Dean, with Dean's leadership is choosing to progress as opposed to, you know, we're a 167 year old company. Say, which is why we're 167 <laughs> we years could, in. We could easily say, well, we've always done it this way for 167 years. So we're yep. going to continue to do it this way, but that's not in the DNA of this company. As you said, all the way from the leadership at the very top with Steve and Laura, they embrace change. And that's why the company has survived for so long and thrived through good times, bad times, you know, um, good markets, bad markets, whatever. Well, there are no bad markets, right? There's just there's markets. There's markets. markets. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Dean, for being here. We really appreciate your time. Uh, and 
unless anyone has anything else to add, we'll catch you next time on North of Shine. <laughs>